because you're jumping back into the gut. All right. Hey, Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media on Twitter at Bball Immersion or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Coach, is awesome today to have Jamie and Christian with us. So he was entering his second year as head men's basketball coach at George Washington University. Coach Christian turned around Mount St. Mary's and Siena prior to coming over to George Washington. And awesome to have you on the podcast, Coach. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm so excited and, and just I love the work that you do and, and the knowledge you share. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah, I, I told you when we had a chance to meet that uh, I really enjoyed I mean, first of all, I got to know you a little bit through your Twitter account. I think you do a really good job on social media presenting yourself and your program and the different things that you guys do. And that definitely will, uh, led to me wanting to talk to you and have a podcast with you. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, I think we have all these different avenues now where people can get to know us and get to know our process. I think as you climb the ladder, I think you have a responsibility to share the knowledge that you have and to do it in a way that people can find it. Find to use all the methods that we have to be able to do that. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, tremendous, tremendous. And you know, leading into what we're going to talk about today, which is this leadership enhancement plan. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, you know, one of the things that, you know, through the years, we're trying to really figure out a way to really teach our leadership. And I think, you know, in our programs every year, you try to find the leaders in your program, but I don't know if we always do a great job of helping them learn how to grow within your program and leadership. And so we call it enhancement plan because it really stands to build on itself. You know, we want to get as many guys into our leadership plan as possible. We start teaching them when they're freshmen, when they walk in that door. And we just want to keep building on top of it, almost like a scaffolding. If you look at it that way, we just want to keep building on top of it. We're able to do that really, really good leaders. In or, and if they're not great leaders, they have a great understanding of the team dynamic and the importance of it. And so we want to really try to systemize our leadership ability here. And, and you know, I'm looking forward to discussing it. Well, and we're going to go through that progression and uh, we're going to start with the team, but maybe even before we get there, where was the influences behind this and, and how long ago did you start this leadership enhancement plan? The influences kind of start well before. Uh, one of the first guys I played for a guy named Bob Johnson, who was a, was a tremendous professor at Emory and Henry College, and he actually taught a, a course on leadership each semester. And a lot of the stuff that he taught in that leadership class, he would then bring back to the office and we would have to review it. Guys that have worked at Emory and Henry, Nathan Davis, Jimmy Allen, John Kaufman, Mike Young, and myself, and then my brother is an assistant coach of the Wizards. So, you know, he's had a tremendous impact on the game through us. And, you know, we all kind of went through this leadership academy, I would say, with him every day. And so I think the influence has really started there. And he focused so much on his leadership with our team, really more so than the X's and O's, because he felt like if you could really build a person's awareness up and understanding, that you could really teach them the rest of the things. And, and that's how that program at Emory and Henry is built. And I think that's how each of us who are coaching now have kind of gone and done that. What I wanted to really do, honestly, Chris, was just I wanted to systemize it. I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything. You know, a lot of times as coaches, what I'm reading is what I'm teaching to our team. And I felt like that was a real weakness. You know, what if what I'm reading or listening to at that time isn't what my team needs to hear? And so why not try to put together something where, you know, you really think about what a freshman needs every single year, what a sophomore needs every single year, and just kind of build it that way. So that's how it all got, kind of got going was kind of a combination of the great leaders I've had a chance to work for. And just trying to systemize it so I could do this system better for our team to allow those guys to be complete leaders at the end of the day. 
Well, it's such a great point. Like we, a lot of us talk about doing developing leadership and developing character or culture, whatever it is, but really you're putting it in a way that it's a progressive part of program. It's not just a speech at the beginning of the year. You go through this whole program, this whole phase to it, and it's really structured and organized as a part of your coaching, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we're actually structuring even more. I mean, we're taking this now, I'm going to turn this into a workbook, you know, that I can give our guys at the beginning of their careers. And then they'll be able to have that through the remainder of their careers when they graduate. And, you know, just being able to put this together in one place where the guys can work through it and have everything they've written from the time they're freshmen to seniors in one place and everything they've learned in one place. I think it's going to be really key. One of the best parts about, you know, trying to build leadership, if you're doing a, if you're doing a good job of it, then your, and your team starts to lead each other and then they start teaching each other. And so the idea of a workbook really came up, work with a guy named Brian Levinson, you know, let's put together a workbook and try to figure out a way to just put it all in one place for them to be able to teach one another and to be able to go back to their own notes. Oh, it's great. It's great. What a resource for players as they graduate as well and move on to careers uh, in or outside of basketball and tremendous for that. So coach, let's start with the team. Talk to me about this leadership enhancement plan and how you start it with your team. Yeah, one of the first things, you know, everyone always asks, like, when you take over a job, what's one of the first things that you do? And, um, you know, I think well, the first thing I do everywhere, everywhere I've been is I've, I've really jumped into this leadership enhancement plan and really try to put some of this stuff together and put it right in front of them because I feel like it's really important. Usually when you're taking over a team, it's a team that didn't have a lot of success the year before or maybe underachieved in some way or maybe had injuries or something, but you're there for a reason. And so what I want to always try to do is, number one, I want to make sure the guys understand gratitude. So when we got here to GW, um, one of the first things we did was we had we had the guys uh, call five people um, that they were thankful for in their past, and I wanted them to to take note of what people said back to them. You know what that felt like, how that felt to hear that information. I think that gratitude is so important. So the first thing we wanted to do is kind of build this notion of gratitude in. Um, just to think that's so important. It to you know what happens is you know, people help us along the way. And we maybe give a thank you in the moment, but we never give a thank you in reflection. And I always feel like that thank you in reflection is so much more powerful. So we want to make sure we're just helping our guys understand that and that they're not just moving on from one event to the next, but they're having a moment to reflect and look back. I think that's an important part because you want your team when you're taking over there in that first year, especially, you want them to be able to acknowledge the things that they did well and the things they could have done better. And I think that's really allowed us to have improvements in each, each of the three places we've been. Um, because teams have been able to be self-aware on things they could have done better. And then we really just try to start there and coach from them. And so, you know, the definitions we kind of put out in front of them first, after the gratitude, that was the first thing we did the first week. The next thing we talk about is what does it mean to be all in? Um, you know, we have them define all of these, all in, earn it, no excuses, honesty, love, present in the moment, resulting, grit, and accountability. And we have them, honestly, we have them like write their definition of what that means to them. And then we post them in our locker room. And those, that's the language we've had to live by through the course of the year. Um, it's been really good for us through the, through in the past. And, you know, it's always, we're always trying to adapt with it, Chris. But it's been good for us because it's allowed us to kind of have a roadmap of how we want to operate. You know, if we have a bad, you know, if we play bad on a Saturday because we travel back late on, on a, because uh, we travel back late on a, on a Thursday, hey, no excuses today. And we make sure they know that definition with no excuses. And talking about being honest. And Chris, I don't know if there's any more important quality in a locker room than true honesty with one another. And so we want them to really understand what honesty is. And we want to call them out when they're not being honest. Um, you know, one thing we say in our, lock, in our locker room is love is accountability and accountability is love. Everything starts with love and it ends with love. And so really having that as an understanding for everything we're trying to do, I think it's really important. Um, you know, I'm not saying we got it perfected, but we're working really hard at it. And, and we spend a lot of time on it. 
Love that you start with gratitude and then you go from there. And then with these definitions, give us an idea of how you deliver them to the team. Is this, is, is this something that they're empowered to come up with the definition as a group, as individuals, or is it something you're defining for them? How are we presenting this to the team? I'm always, I'm about empowering them. So I ask a lot of open-ended questions. So I'll say, hey, I want you guys, hey, well, how would you define all in? And I just leave it up to them. And I let them kind of use their language, their terminology, the things they want to use. The more, the more free and loose they are with it, the better. You know, a lot of times they'll come up with a shorter definition than what I could have. And I think that's better for it. You know, just trying to give them ownership within that locker room. I think, I just think that's really important and trying to show them the ways that they can do that. And, um, you know, we, we just leave it open-ended for them really and let them go and kind of attack it. And then we just try to hold them accountable to their words. And I think when it's their words, their meetings, and what's important to them, it's a lot easier to hold them accountable to it. Well, that's great. And, and you give these words life, right? Like this is a conscious process on your part, coaching staff and the players part to use these words within your program. Absolutely. Absolutely. We want to use it um, at every given opportunity. And we're kind of, I always say we're kind of hunting and looking and searching for, for opportunities to use this in different ways that we can use it. And, um, you know, again, it just gives it, like you talk about giving it life. I mean, you're giving it life in practice every day. You know, we talk about love every single day because I feel like it's the strongest component there is in our, in our world. And so if we can help them understand love and help them define love and then, you know, just constantly keep them, hold them accountable to it. Um, it's just really powerful. And, you know, over time, what I've found that we've done this with our teams, when we get about a year and a half in, the guys really understand it. And then from there, it really takes off. Uh, that's great stuff. And then the ongoing maintenance of this then for your team, what do you do? Is it reading material, video, movies, get togethers? What are the types of things that you're doing for the ongoing maintenance of this? Yeah. So with our team and, and attached to this document, we have reading materials, we have videos and movies. And, um, a lot of these things, we again, we've gathered them through the years. And I think what happens is, you know, again, we're, we're watching in the moment. A lot of times we try to present to our team. And I just said, well, let's take the things that we know we love and we always want to present and let's categorize them and put them in a place. And so, you know, we'll do it in a different series. I mean, I say this probably 10 or 15 different leadership seminars we do with our team a year. And so you have to have a lot of material to be able to do that. And we, and this is gives a place where we have it all, you know, so like there's things on here from videos and movies, like Amy Cuddy's body language. You know, she talks a ton about body language. She's one of the best in the world talking about body language. I want our guys to understand the importance of that. You know, when they're walking around campus, when they're on the floor, and just their presence of what's that and what that means. And so that's a great video. It's a TED talk that we can show them that they can understand it quickly. And then we have them write a short summary or talk about it in front of the team or even present or do a skit about it in front of the team. So we'll use a combination of videos and books and, you know, like the Steve Nash touch video, which is probably scary about now because of, because of Corona, but it's one of the best videos because it talk it shows how much he connected with his team and how much, how much his connection allowed his guys to get their very best. And so just try to lean on those different videos and, and different things like that through the course of it to, to present to them, to kind of show them what it's like to be on a great team and, and the characteristics you need to have. Hey, coach, just a brief interruption of the podcast to hear from one of our supporters. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slow making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR and international soccer have all resumed play and Bet Online has the best odds, lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? Bet Online has simulated an NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devote gamblers to check out. Bet Online also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, 
and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Now back to the podcast. Well, one of the books you referenced, Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins. Can you talk about the hedgehog concept for those that haven't heard of that? You know, what happens is, and I'll tell you, Chris, what, what I struggle with is I'm a big believer in letting the guys go into the offseason and letting them expand their games to the highest level, you know, and which kind of goes against the hedgehog concept a little bit. But I think as an offseason, that's your time. You're going to work. You're going to improve. You're going to stretch yourself. I want you to do that. But when we get to our season where we're all together, we're going with this hedgehog concept of really what you do best we're trying to get you to do. And we literally have this document that we create and that we give to the guys. We want to take the three things you do very, at your very best and at your highest level. And we want you doing those things, you know, 100% of the time. And we're really focusing on that. And the hedgehog concept is something that we use to really just to help the guys understand our roles within the team. And I don't believe like a role is defined by what you can't do as much as it's defined by what you can do. And so if you really look at anyone on your team, anyone that we coach, they probably do three to five things really well and probably one or two things poorly. So we just want to use this hedgehog concept to just talk to them so much about like, man, like if you can do these three or four things at the highest level all the time and stay consistently there, look at the production you're going to be able to have. And we're going to keep working on your weaknesses. And that's why I think the off season is important to let guys have imagination and the growth and, and they can feel that because you never know. A guy may be at a certain place as a freshman, as a senior, he might be able to do a couple of things that he worked on a little bit and be able to really improve. And so I want to keep those guys, I want their imaginations going and running wild. And then I just want them being mature enough to be able to, to lock in and be really singular focus on the hedgehog concept. And you know, like, for example, we have, we're going to take 33s as a team when we're doing our practice reps and we, you know, we do like everyone, we're charting every three point shot, taking where it's taken from. We do all that. You know, if you're not making, you know, 65% of your threes in practice on the catch and shoot, when we say usually you drop about 30%, right? When you get into the game. So if you're not making 65% and you don't essentially have a three-point license, right? You can only take certain ones, maybe the end of the clock. But if we can get three or four of our best three-point shooters in our team above 65%, taking just about hundred percent of our threes, we're going to have a high three-point percentage for, as a team. And so that's really important. And so really identifying to everyone what they can do at the elite level over and over and over again, and empowering them to go and attack that, I think is really important. And so that's how we use that hedgehog concept. It's really something that we've used. I mean, we use it over and over and over again in a lot of different ways. And we've really tried to build our programs on that. Yeah, it's such a cool thing. And uh, I love how you framed it there. The other part that comes clear as I, as I kind of read through the document that you provided me is that there's just a, there's so many opportunities for, for young men in your case to be able to present themselves, to be able to talk in front of people and to be uncomfortable in a lot of situations. And uh, maybe you can talk to some of those situations. For example, I think tell the truth exercise is one of those, right? Yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, vulnerability. One of the books that's on there that, that we, we usually read as a team when we first get everybody together, but it really starts more as a sophomore book is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And The Five Dysfunctions of a Team really talks about the, you know, the absence of trust is like the first dysfunction. And so that's really important. And you can't have trust unless you have great vulnerability. And so, you know, the first couple of activities, obviously, Chris, we just kind of want to get the guys moving and you know, it's not like, you know, you, you go to these one day events, these one day conferences, and you kind of do like a quick icebreaker and, and you kind of move on from it. And the difference on a team is that I feel like you're, you're not going to get the vulnerability quickly. And so we really try to build this trust up with different ways. And 
And then once we're able to get into this vulnerability stage and we talk about tell the truth and we, you know, you're, you're in front of the group and, and you're going to tell, and you're going to tell someone exactly what you feel about or how you think about them. And, and I think that's really important. And, you know, and letting guys kind of take that. And, uh, you know, I think it's a great muscle is learning how to take and accept criticism. And so we want to provide a space and an environment where a guy can take that kind of criticism in, listen and learn from it. And then we want to say, all right, now tell, now tell your team how you feel about it and let them explain it out. I think that's really important um, to just learn how to take criticism from your teammate. Now, a lot of these guys, a lot of us haven't had to take criticism before. And so, and so usually you get criticized by your coach. You don't have a chance to say anything back. You kind of stay with it in that moment. And then you kind of carry with you through the rest of practice. We really want to practice with our guys and work with our guys on taking it in the moment, listening to the message, and then giving out great energy to go and attack what was just said or responding to it in the right way. And so just trying to build up these different kind of programs and different kind of environmental things that we can do to allow the guys to grow up. And what's great about it, Chris, really is that when these guys get through, and I said like a year and a half into it, you just see a huge jump with all the guys and their ability to communicate tough stuff, their, their ability to communicate what they're appreciative of, what they're disappointed of. And I think it just makes our team so much stronger because our communication with one another is just so much better. Well, and the great part about how you have it set up is that, you know, from freshman to senior, you're, you're developing, you're improving, you're enhancing, and then you can help the people behind you understand and progress better too, right? Right. And that's what's great about it. So like when you're a freshman, like let's just, we'll use this as an example. As a freshman, the first book you're going to read is the Energy Bus. And I feel like the Energy Bus is so important because it just it talks about the power of your energy. When you think about the power of your energy, the energy you bring to the space is the most important resource that you bring into that space every day. And your energy is contagious from others. And so the first thing is learning that, that your energy and what it does to the person beside you. You know, we had a team on your, Chris, we had a lot of talent on our team, really good team, really, I mean, really talented team. And we, we underachieved because we weren't responsible for our energy. And we allowed our energy to be wasted on things that, that, that they shouldn't have been wasted on. And, and I always said, we're not going to do that again. You know, we're going to make sure we're responsible for our energy. And so a freshman comes in, they read the energy bus. And so what happens is they read the energy bus and they're kind of working through it with the coach and staff. And at the end of that activity, they get a chance to teach that to the team. Now, what's neat about it is if you're a sophomore, a junior, and a, and a senior, you've already heard the energy bus enough. So you're going to be really critical of what they're teaching. And you're going to really, you know, attack the freshman in that area, which I think is really important, you know, for them to learn the intention, the intentionality of their word and how important it is to, to teach and to live by your word. And then to have guys there as like sort of like a refresher, right? And so everyone's teaching one another and trying to build this cycle in where now the freshmen are teaching it for the first time for them as they're learning it. But the other guys are holding them accountable to what they're seeing in those moments. You know, we want to build, try to find ways to build that in and build that level of accountability over and over again within our program. And that's like a great example of how we're able to do that. Yeah, I know. It's tremendous. And uh, talk maybe a little bit more just about the freshmen and kind of the, the process that they go through in this first part. Yeah, you know, I think for freshmen, it's all about like behavioral training, you know. And I think I say that because they're coming from a different environment where maybe they've been held accountable before. Maybe they haven't. And we talk about being held accountable. We're talking about how they speak to one another, how they look, how they walk into the building you know, how they go to class, where they sit at in class. Like there are all these things that you really have to teach freshmen. And so we just try to be really intentional with how we're teaching them and helping them understand. Like ideally what you want at some point when you're on these campuses or coaching is for people to, to see your guys walking around and say, oh, you know, that you know, I can tell by the way he's walking around. I can tell the way he's engaging with other people. That's a basketball guy. You know, you can tell that. 
by the way the person's behaviors are. And I think that's important to be able to do. And so we want to just start trying to teach these guys the right kind of behaviors and, and really get them into the accountability stuff. So I think as a freshman, we're really, we're really nitpicking a lot of things um, to try to get them in the right place. And like, you know, for, for me, like having a guy walk straight with his shoulders back and, and, and his chin up, right. That shows confidence, exudes confidence. So we've got to really hold these guys accountable to that. That's going to lead to the floor. When you watch Amy Cuddy's video about body language, that's one of the biggest things she talks about is like your posture and how important it is for what other people are seeing from you. And so we're going to watch the video. We're going to do that part of it. And then we're going to then go and, and hold them accountable to that. You know, once we teach you a skill, we're going to hold you accountable to that. And, you know, those are little examples of things that we're talking about with freshmen being behavior training and, you know, how you talk to your professors, how you work with them and how you respond to them, how you email but those are all the questions that you got to help a freshman answer. And you can't assume that they're just going to know it. You know, we wouldn't assume that they knew anything on the basketball floor, but then we often assume they know a lot of stuff off the floor. And I think that's unfair. And so we just want to do a great job of trying to teach them all those little things off the floor and just trying to hold them accountable to it. So who's delivering this information to them? Is that you or do you bring in different experts in the certain fields? Who's doing this? Yeah, we did it. We kind of mix it up depending on the year. And, you know, what's great about it is like we've done it a couple of different ways, depending on the team. You know, like we want to build trust with our staff, then we've got to have our staff involved in this. Right. And so, you know, early on, we're going to use a lot of different guys on staff. Maybe we'll have maybe we'll have the staff members teach a chapter in a book. Maybe we'll have them teach a certain lesson in it. You know, whatever it is, we kind of mix it up. And I think it gives us the flexibility and the freedom to be able to do that. You know, one of the things I have uh, my staff, I've always had at least one teacher on my staff. Um, someone that has a t- that's taught at some point in, in a school system. So I love having that because I feel like they step back into that classroom model with teaching and they're just so good at it. They're so much better than us coaches at delivering the message. They've been in that classroom setting before and their idea and how they want to engage everyone is so different. I think that's really important. You know, the, if you're trying to build trust, we can't build trust on the only person speaking, right? We're not going to build trust that way. We have to show that we have expertise and other matters that will help our guys and, and ultimately that we love our guys. So we have to be able to position our assistant coaches in front of them and, and allow them to be able to deliver that kind of message. Now we can also bring people in. We've done that to talk about different things and, and that's been, that's worked really well. And I think when you get to year three or four, it's a little bit easier to bring some people in. I think year one and two, you're trying to build that trust. And so that when that guy has a problem in your locker room or something that happens in the classroom that he comes in here and he knocks on one of your assistant's doors or knocks on your doors and he's felt comfortable to be able to talk to you about it. And, I think when you're spending a lot of time talking about things that are not basketball driven, you start to build that into your program. And when you get that, you got a chance to really be really special because the basketball stuff we love, you know, we want to make our relationship with you, not just about basketball, but about, about, about your life and improving your life. And when we get to that level, honestly, we're really hard to be on the floor and our guys are doing exceptional off the floor. I'm curious then with, with freshmen, do they have less freedom, so to speak, than say seniors and do you progressively earn that within your program? Or how do you approach that in terms of uh, this? Is it a little stricter early for freshmen? Yeah, we're pretty strict with these guys early on. And we can do that depending on like which assistant coaches we put them with. You know, I'm big on guys having freedom. So I don't want to restrict a guy. But I'm also big on you got to learn your lesson. So if you make a mistake, then we're going to hold you accountable for the mistake you've made. So we've kind of done a little, honestly, we've done a combination of both. What I think is better starting strict, more strict early. And then letting it go as you go along. Like, let's say you get a 2.8, you're on a study hall. You know, if you're 2.9, 3.0, then you can grow your hair how you want to. I think finding different ways to give guys freedoms and almost like making it like a game for them on what, you know, they, they get to the next level. 
oh, then I get this kind of freedom. I think that's really important. And I think it allows for everyone to keep working. You know, I think a lot of times um, in teams that I played on, there would be like, there's a different set of rules for this guy and different set of rules for that guy. And, and I think you need some of that because people are different, but there's foundational fundamental things that you have to really stand for. And I think in those areas where you stand for, but you feel like you do need to give a little bit of give, I think making it a level where, hey, level four is this. You get to be like this. You can do what you want there. Blah, blah, blah. I think that's really valuable. And I think it gives them something to work for on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, if you're a guy and you, you know, you want to grow your hair out, you want to get, you know, you need a two nine to do that. And you're sitting at a two seven, two eight, you're going to really make sure you lock in on your exams, to be able to do that. And just, it's another incentive that I think is really valuable um, that allows the guys to grow. And this parallels to the basketball court too, right? Where certainly early on freshmen will have less freedom and they earn it through obviously building trust and all these different things and learning and applying what you're teaching them. Absolutely. And I think that's just so important. I think one of the hard, one of the best things coach Johnson talked about at Emory was you want to be disciplined enough that the guys understand the importance of discipline, but you don't want to be too, you don't want to go too far where the guys don't feel like they can make it back up. And he always felt like forgiveness was the biggest, was the biggest way you show your love. And so you want to, you know, we want to embrace mistakes and then we want them to be able to recover from those mistakes. And then we want to be able to tell the story to them and to others about how they overcame the mistake, whatever it is, because they're going to make some mistakes. And I think when you're able to really forgive and appreciate that dynamic within your team, I think it's really important. You know, that, like you'll hear me say after games, that, that, that game's on me. That was a bad game plan. That's on me. I've got to be better, whatever it is. I'm going to take great ownership. I think that helps our team take great ownership over things, you know? And so we're always constantly trying to hold them accountable to their level of ownership and just being able to to be vulnerable within the group, starting with me and all the way down. Good stuff. And talk to me then about rules. Do you have rules within your program? Yeah. You know, we really don't. We have more offensive rules (laughs) (laughs) than we do off. My biggest thing is like, don't be an abuser of love, right? And I think when you look in, you know, like that's that's the big thing, like don't abuse love. And I think when you look at that, I kind of go over this thing with our team about it. It's like, like if you, you know, like a lot, a lot of times guys will have, you know, they have a girlfriend that they, that they like, but they don't love her. She loves them way more than than they love them. Right. And so they're going to use this person to gain shoes, gear, stuff like that. Like, don't be an abuser of love. You know, like I don't know if there's anything worse in life than someone that abuses love, right? And so my love for you is, hey, you have your cell phone on when we're on the road. You know, some coaches collect them. I don't collect your cell phones. You know, I trust you. I believe in you. Don't abuse my love by being on the phone till four in the morning. You know, like don't abuse it. And, and then just because you're a guy who starts, and now you're saying, oh, well, you know, now coach got to make a decision. Don't, don't be that guy that abuses love, right? And so I spend a lot of time talking about that notion of 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 love and abusive love. And how that nothing breaks trust faster than abuse of love. And so we talk about that a lot, a good bit. I try to recruit guys that are really accountable in themselves, that are really driven in what they want to be able to do. So I try not to have a ton of rules. Um, you know, I think rules can kind of bind you in there. But, you know, don't abuse love. Do what's asked of you and be on time. You know, if we had rules, it'd be, those, it'd be that simple. And most of the time, the guys can live up to those things. Yeah, I love it. And you, you connected this a little bit to recruiting. I assume this is part of your recruiting pitch is this leadership enhancement plan is obviously a valuable part that you're sharing with potential recruits. Well, we want people that want to lead. We want to change the world here. You know, what we're trying to do here at GW is trying to do something that's never been done. That's our mission, trying to do something that's never been done. 
And we've got to find people that have that level of enthusiasm, that level of humility, and that level of talent that want to do that. And that's, you know, those are three different buckets. You know, some people try to put them all together. Now, there's three different buckets. And you need, to have that, you need to have great balance in all those buckets to achieve that. Um, so we're really looking, looking a ton on guys that if you want to lead, you want to learn how to lead, if you want to be a coach, if you want to be a leader in, in business, whatever it is, this is a great place for you. And we're trying to teach you all these things along the way. Like a lot of these books and some of the things these guys are going to read and the people they're going to meet are going to help them way more after basketball than they will when they're here playing basketball for us. Um, and I think, we, again, we can get that focus to them off of the basketball and the hoop and on, the every, on, the, on their life. We're going to be in a great place. And that's just what we're striving to do. And so we're looking for guys, hunting for guys that want that. My assistants get mad at me all the time, Chris, because we'll recruit a guy for a year and, you know, and we'll get to the end. I'll be like, I just don't think he's a good fit for us. And they'll be like, well, why? You know, he can make shots. He can do this. It's like, he just doesn't take ownership. You know, they lost, they, they lost five games in a row. When you talk to him about it, he doesn't take ownership. You know, like, man, if you're the best player on a high school team, like you're the best player on the team, you got to take great ownership. And what I found out in time is that, you know, if we bring a guy in who didn't take ownership in high school, then it's really hard to get him to take ownership in college and help him understand that. You know, when he's going to come in as a freshman, be behind some guys, have to work his way up. You know, you start adding all the components in that it takes a freshman to get on the floor and to play and be meaningful. Man, usually those guys have great ownership. And, you know, the first to maturity, Chris, is always the best. And so we're trying to find those who have, have a high level of maturity. Usually those that want to lead and have a strong, strong sense of leadership and want to change the world, they're great fits for our program. And we're looking for a ton of those guys. And almost always, Chris, those guys overachieve in college, almost always. And there's a lot of those guys on championship level teams that maybe some people pass up because maybe they don't think they jump as high or whatever. We've taken those guys and had a lot of success with those guys uh, because they're great inside your locker room, they're great outside your locker room, and they're always constantly building people up and they're always getting better. And you're going to be good if you have a locker room of guys like that. Hey coach, just a brief interruption of the podcast to hear from one of our supporters. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slow making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and Bet Online has the best odds, lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devote gamblers to check out. Bet Online also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. Now back to the podcast. That's great. I love that you gave us a practical example because sometimes we just, we talk about it, but then, you know, we don't explain what are some of the things that we actually look for. And that accountability after losses is such an important part. Talk to us maybe about this progression from freshman to sophomore. What are some of the biggest changes that you would expect? And then what is the process for the sophomores that you're trying to enhance? Yeah, you know, something that happens as a, as a sophomore is like, it's the first time that you're going to have recruits coming in behind you. So it's really the first time that you're thinking like, oh man, like they're over recruiting over me, which is a thing, but it isn't a thing, right? Like every coach wants the guys within their program to keep getting better. Because we know that if we keep bringing in guys, we bring in a good freshman class, but that sophomore class keeps getting better over top of that class. We're going to have a great team. So I think that's the first time that notion kind of gets into their heads. You know, as a freshman, you're just so enthusiastic and happy to be here. As a sophomore, you recognize that, man, there's potential threats coming in every single year behind me. And so we're trying to build this notion in that, like, we're all here for a reason. We're all here for a purpose. 
And so, you know, we give them like some simple clues, like some simple, simple things we want to talk about, like do what needs to be done, right? Take a stand for what should be done and lead by example. So again, we're trying to grow their leadership. And as a freshman, it was about your enthusiasm and your energy and you having to bring that. Well, now as a sophomore, you should already have that. You've now done that for 365 days. That should be more than, more than enough to be a habit. Now it's about, you know, what needs to be done doing at the highest level, right? It's about leading by example, because now you have other people watching you. Um, and then it's like standing up for what should be done. There's so many moments that happen in the locker room or happen on Friday night. And we're not there that now as a freshman, you might've been able to kind of turn left and over, well, he's a freshman. He's trying to figure it out. Well, now you're a sophomore and you have a responsibility to those behind you to make sure you're turning the right direction that you're trying to hold them accountable. Now, those freshmen might still turn, decide to turn the other way, but you've tried to lead by example. I think that's really important. So we just want to, we want to move their lens. We don't want to like, we don't, we don't want to sharpen their lens. We want to open their lens a little bit every single year that they're in our program. And so once they're able to do that and they're able to say, man, you know, as a freshman, I was, I was, you know, like I've already had some great conversations with our salt, with our rising sophomores now, because they're saying, man, like I just didn't sleep enough. And, you know, I said, well, did we tell you to get some sleep? You know, did we talk to you about this? We did. Yeah, you know, I just, I don't know why, coach. I just, I just didn't get it. But now I understand. And we want that kind of dialogue. And so now my response in that moment is to say, well, now, all right, so what are you going to do to the freshmen when they come in here? Well, I'm going to tell them, coach, you got to get some sleep. And what if they're out on a Wednesday night really late? What are you going to tell them on Thursday? Well, I'm just, coach, I'm going to tell them they need to get to bed, right? Like, so if we can build that into our program just through conversation and through practical accountability, I mean, we're going to be pretty good because there's so many moments where I, I'm not going to be there that they've got to know how to hold each other accountable. But I think we're responsible for teaching them how to help hold other people accountable. I don't think it's something that comes naturally for most people. Great stuff and, and, and easy to understand. And uh, maybe again, we tend to treat a team sometimes too much as one entity, whereas there are these different parts, as you talked about with freshmen to sophomore, et cetera. But can you talk maybe more specifically with the sophomores what are some of the specific things that you're doing to help them through this process? Well, you know, we're, we talked about that book, Five Disciplines of a Team. So we're going to really dive into that with them to help them understand. I think that just gives you such a great lens for understanding like the team dynamic. And I think as a freshman, very few guys come in as a freshman with a great understanding of a full team dynamic. So we want to make sure that we're diving into that. And, you know, just a couple of things are in that. And that's a Patrick Licioni book, which is excellent. You know, absence of trust, fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoidance of accountability, and inattention to results, right? And then you, as you go through that book, it really gives you a, a great detailed outline of like why teams fail. And again, I don't think as a freshman, it's enough to help to tell a guy like he's got to kind of touch the stove a little bit to figure it out. But I think as a sophomore, you're just starting to figure it out. And so helping them kind of working through that book and really hold them accountable to the notions within that book, I think are really important. So we really dive into that with them pretty good. And the good thing is usually you have juniors and seniors who've gone through that. So they understand it a good bit. You know, the videos we'll like to watch, like we have like the Brady six, which I think is a great video, right? It's on YouTube. You can see it anywhere. It's an NFL, it's an NFL video. It's excellent because it talks about how hard Tom Brady works. You know, it doesn't talk about, it talks about Tom and the guys that get drafted before him. But it also talks about like how he outbeat, how he worked, outworked these guys in Michigan and how it wasn't easy. Because you could have some sophomores in there that haven't been yet. Right. So they're now looking up saying, man, I'm never going to play. They brought a freshman in my position. There's a in my position. We have to give them a larger roadmap where they can see their avenue of being able to play and be able to help a team. And so like Brady Six, Kobe Bryant Hughes, and, and understanding growth mindset are three, three videos that we use with them 
throughout the course of the year that I think are really important. And again, with Brady Six and Kobe Bryant, you're talking about a guy who works so hard and they're both so diligent in what they're doing and having growth mindset is ability to learn from your mistakes and the importance of that, right? And not believing that I was born one way, which is a fixed mindset, but I have a growth mindset so I can improve myself. I can, we just want to keep building these things in there for our sophomore guys as they're, as they're improving. And if we can do that, they can take the failures they had as a freshman or early in their sophomore year and they can turn them into big time positives and then turn that corner and really finish out with great careers. It's great stuff. And uh, maybe talk to us about juniors then, because at this point, they're obviously comfortable. They bought into this leadership enhancement plan. And how are we challenging them at that point to be able to grow even more? But junior year is always interesting. And, you know, what's interesting is they're into the leadership stuff. So they understand it. They know it. It's really the first time with a junior class. I feel like you can, let's say you have four guys in your junior class. If two guys have played a ton and two guys haven't, you're going to have a split in that junior class where you're not two guys are saying, Hey, I might be a professional some way I can go and do this. You're gonna have two other guys looking and say, man, maybe I should go and do something else. Right. So you got to really like that junior class is important. I always feel like that's like the lost class, right? Because that's when that fixed mindset can really dig in. That's how we're working on a growth mindset as a sophomore. Um, and just want to keep them just trying to get better and trying to improve. Because again, for the first time they're looking at they're they're for the first time they're looking out the door instead of just trying to get to the door. Um, and so we want to do a great job with them. I mean, most places around the country, when they're juniors, they do internships. It's the year they start doing stuff like that. They start going to career fairs. So I think that's really important time to really lock in on them. And so we talk about competitive greatness, which is a great John Wooden quote. And we talk about accountability. We kind of refresh his accountability. We talk about being unselfish. And we want to really focus on giving. Because I really believe this. If I can get my juniors, and you know, seniors and juniors, but I can get my juniors to kind of reinvest and the guys below them, we're going to be in a great spot because that shows they're not afraid to help others. And I just feel like anytime your program is giving, 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 it's just enhancing everyone. And now there's this great vibe within your program where it's like, man, like, you know, this guy really cares about me. You know, now some of these guys, that junior has been there with them for two years. If he puts that kind of info into them every single day, they really feel connected and loved and appreciated. You know, we talk about learning from the past and selling towards the future. Um, man, look, when you're a junior, you now have, you know, 60, 68 to 74 games or so in there that you've played. You have, you know, over 300 practices. So, man, you've got a lot of information there that if we can take that and embrace it, we're going to be in a great spot. And so, again, it's about learning from the past and selling towards my future and holding them accountable to what they, what they wanted at the beginning of the journey. Um, unselfish in everything you do, um, do what's best for the team. It's huge. Like, really simple. Like, there's going to come a freshman. There's going to be a freshman or sophomore that's going to be really talented. And that, that can probably help your team if you're recruiting well. But if that junior understands your system better, understands what you need better, they're going to really have the ability to help your team out. So making sure they're being unselfish in everything that they're doing and they're not trying to, you know, hey, i got to one-up this guy. Like, be competitive. Competitive greatness. Go after it. But be unselfish and help. And you can do both things really well. And then I'll compete in everything that I do and the band and my brothers do the same. I think that's huge. And they've been so far, but they have so much more to give. And so really helping them understand their journey, where they are within it, and how they can make our program better and continue to make themselves better, I think is really important. Those are some of the things we really try to focus on with that junior class. Do you find at, at this point, regardless of role on the team, that they're more vocal because they're more confident by the things that you've taught them and brought them along this enhancement plan? Yeah, there's so much speaking involved in our program. Usually, I, I, usually as sophomores, their their vocal is so much better 
Um, and, and, I mean, usually a sophomore, when they're speaking, they would be like a senior in someone else's program, a sophomore. Because um, they have the understanding, they have the vocabulary, they have the language, they know what, they know what right and wrong is. And so by the time they get to a junior year, it's, it's, it's like almost like another layer, you know, that they're now when they get to a junior year, quite honestly, Chris, they're able to apply some of the stuff they're learning in the classroom to some of the stuff that, that we're talking about. And they usually have a great collection of that. And that's the first time that I really see that junior, they do it as seniors, but they really, the first time they do it as juniors is that they're going to, that's when they really start to bring things into us. Hey, coach, have you seen this? We read this article in class. We did this. I saw this. And they really start bringing that stuff to the table. Um, and so the, the conversation with the coaching staff and their junior, and starting that junior year, really. And sometimes you get a guy as a sophomore or freshman that's really high level that, that's ready to do that. But that collective whole of junior is really special because, again, it's the first time that they're kind of looking outward a little bit and they're learning how to take what the world is giving them, the world is showing them, and they're learning how to apply it within, the, within our team. And I think that's really powerful because, again, the team, they're speaking the team's language. Now, I'm trying this. I'm teaching the team and trying to cultivate an environment that allows for that kind of personality to flourish. But they're coming into the team, sharing with the team things that are pertinent to the team, things that the team is probably talking about in their group chats, whatever. And I think that's when it really gets rolling. It becomes a great dynamic. This is impressive, I think, for you from me looking at it from the outside, because in a way, what you're trying to do is you're trying to make yourself somewhat obsolete as the coach. Yes. It's counterintuitive for a lot of coaches to think that way, but that is ultimately the goal to create independent performers, but also independent people. Yeah. And I think when I would say when, when I've struggled and my teams have struggled, it's when I could, haven't been able to have enough time to get our team to do that. Because I think it takes time. And I think when you dive into it that way, and then you're able to take a step back and I mean, it's amazing to watch Chris, these guys working together and you know, like you're kind of practice and you know, we're going through something and something will happen and guys will raise their hand and just ask a question. And people are like, man, like your team asks a lot of questions. And I'm like, that's great. That's exactly what we want. We want them to ask a ton of questions in, the, in, in practice and we're going to get in the game. We want to go, all of us be hundred percent going in one direction and go and attack it. And we're trying to build that into everything that we're doing. That's great. Uh, anything else uh, in terms of some of the practical things from uh, being a junior that you want to highlight? Yeah, you know, we, 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 we always watch the do your job video. You know, that's a really good one. Um, you know, that, that uh, really talks about Patriots and, you know, anytime you talk about the Patriots, you kind of split the, you split the country in two. Um, but they just have some really good stuff. And it just talks about, you know, what's neat about the, the do your job videos, you know, it talks about the coaching staff and, and how they're teaching the guys and the Patriots. And that there's one moment in time where something you worked on in the preseason might be necessary. And I think for juniors, that's important because now they have so much information ahead of them. And there might be a, something that happened when they were a freshman that we might have worked on and it presents itself as a junior. I want them to say, Coach, what do you think about doing this? Remember we did this as a freshman? Or, you know, we, we do this a lot of times in practice, honestly. We like, you know, we'll, we'll do a situation in the game and, and we'll be playing in practice, whatever. And I'll say, all right, like you guys got the huddle and I'll let my point guard or my center draw the playoff that they want to run. You know, and, you know, I want to build that into our program. Like, and, and a lot of times the maze, oh, they'll run something that you ran a year ago, a year, a year ago, or they'll run something that they ran in high school. And it, it, it's amazing how much it works, you know, and how much ownership the guys have in that huddle when you give one of the players the board, and, you know. And so, you know, we're, we're just trying to build that kind of ownership with them. And again, it doesn't matter where you got your knowledge from or when you got it. Let's really work together and apply it at the best moment. 
Uh, really cool, really cool. And l- let's finish the uh, the cycle and let's talk about senior. What what's happening when they become a senior? Well, senior year is all about legacy, and, and I, you always say this: like everyone's always like better when you have a senior related team. But I think that's that's a couple things. Number one, we think it's because of experience of play and all that, which I think is important. But I think really it's the only time that you have a group of guys that are that have the same folks that you do as a coach. You know, as a coach, that, those guys want to win that year. And as a coach, you want to win that year. And, you know, they have a driving force of seniors to win because it's their last one. But I think when you're a junior, sophomore, and freshman, there's a natural ability to say, well, I have next year. I have another opportunity. And then when you get to that senior year, it's just that driving force between, the, between those guys and the coaching staff that really pushes it forward. And so we, we, we talk a lot about that and just the legacy of it. And, you know, what do you, what do you, and, and when we talk about legacy, I think most people talk about legacy, like what records you're going to leave, how far we're going to make it, what tournament we're going to get to. We're talking about the legacy you leave with people, right? And so we've done all this buildup through that course of time, you know, your energy, your accountability, you know, we've done all these things. Well, what legacy are you leaving with the people in this locker room? You know, when, when, when this person graduates, are they going to, when this person gives their Hall of Fame speech, are they going to say, this senior taught me how to do this? That's where, you, that's where you want your legacy to be. Your legacy wants, your legacy lives on with people. No matter how many games you win, there's going to be another team that's going to break that. And it, it doesn't matter. If you go to Sweet 16, there's going to be some team at some point that's going to pass that. So I don't want to make your legacy about that. Your legacy should be what lives on with people. And when you, when you leave a legacy within someone, that lives on forever because now they take that, what you taught them, they give it to someone else. And that person gives it to five more people. And that person gives it to five more people and your legacy doesn't end. So when we talk about legacy, we're talking more about what you're doing for people. Um, we talk about impact and we define impact as influence, maintaining a productive, ongoing relationship, participating daily. You think about seniors, you could have a 22-year-old senior and a 17-year-old freshman. That's a five-year age gap, right? Their impact Right, they're, I mean, sorry, they're participating daily with that with that scene, with that freshman is going to be really important for your team, right? And 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 naturally, those two groups will not connect together. You have they've they've been there, they're establishing the university, so we want them to participate daily with our younger guys, whatever it is, whether it's taking them to lunch or laughing and joking with them or whatever it is, we want them to participate daily. A is assisting their goals and our goals. And you have a freshman, hey, you know, knowing what he wants to do and helping them understand how he helps our team. See, connect on something other than, than our program. Um, and so, hey, like if this guy loves, you know, whatever it is, if this guy loves NASCAR, then, you know, trying to connect with him on NASCAR. If this guy loves uh, playing video games, connecting with him on that. But connect with something that he's going to be able to tie your legacy in with him beyond just what you did for him on the floor. And then T, teach more than basketball. And again, when you bring a guy into the locker room and he's got so much experience as a senior and you've got a freshman or a sophomore, they have a guy they can kind of look up to and talk to and ask questions to. And, you know, that teach more than basketball, I think, becomes really important. And that's when you really tie into a, a complete team. Um, so we talk about legacy impact and we talk about appreciation. Um, now you've gone through this journey. You've seen the best and the worst of your university. You've seen the best and the worst of your team, the best and worst of your league. Man, how, how appreciative are you? And, and so when you, when you get your senior speech, are you going to be out there talking about how, how, many, how many people helped you along the way? Are you going to show them great appreciation? Um, those things are all really important for us. And, you know, those are distinctions for the seniors. And again, legacy, impact, and appreciation, you just really try to dive in deeply with them. I love that. I love how you phrase it with impact, impact there. And uh, so give us maybe a better visual then of what this looks like in terms of a mentorship model from a senior to a freshman. 
Is that something that you organize at first or is it something that they self-organize in terms of seeing someone's needs or is it got to be a little bit of a push on your part to be able to create these different mentorship opportunities? You know, it's, I feel like it's best when it comes naturally. Um, and so, you know, there was one year, Chris, we like, we had, you know, we kind of gave them big brothers and we did that and we partnered them up and, you know, I thought it worked okay, but I think it limited the guys a little bit. You know, I want them to learn. I want to see this notion within the locker room and I want to give them the environment where you feel connected and can talk and communicate. And there's different ways we can connect the guys up. If we see two guys aren't connecting, we can have them shoot at the same basket all the time together or have them go to lunch with a coaching staff member or, you know, as a coach, I'm spending a ton of time meeting with the guys individually. So if I see there's a senior that's not connecting with someone, I can bring them in and just talk to them about it and just try to get some ideas of why they're not and try to figure that out. But, you know, I think sometimes when you're trying to like, when you try to micromanage it sometimes, I think you lose some fluidity in it. And I think it's important for the guys to kind of figure it out for themselves and to know where to go to for the right answers. But then as an observer, and I think this is what's really important when I can be an observer, I can, I can look at the dynamics on the team and I can see what's going on and what isn't going on. And then I can try to communicate and talk and, and try to get the guys to kind of move in the, in the direction that I think will help our team be at its best. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I, and I would say if I'm critical of something, that's when I'm critical. You know, I would say like, I don't understand why you're not talking to this person. And that's how it would be in a one-on-one meeting, you know, and I'd want you to, to answer like, cause you know, now as a senior, you know, that's a major principle for me. Um, but again, once we get these guys in kind of to that point of seniors, usually, honestly, they're, they're pretty good with it. We haven't had someone be in our program for through the cycle and not be really good at it. Quite honestly. I mean, by then, um, the guys are really, really good at it. So tremendous stuff and, and, and coaches listening, they're thinking about this and they're thinking about creating something like this. What are some of the biggest challenges in putting this together? And, uh, again, taking players through these different stages. Well, I think you, I think number one, you got to know who you are and you know what's important to you because anything that you put out there that, that isn't genuine to you, the guys are going to know and they're, they're going to attack you where your weak is at. So you got to know who you are. I think you've got to study. I think to know who you are and know where you want to go, like you got to really study it and try to figure out, you know, like, like all these books on here, I've had a chance to read. I've had a chance to read a few times. You know, I might've gone to courses to learn more about them. I think you got to study it. Like, like I'm not studying a whole lot of basketball right now. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm not studying a ton of that. I'm really studying a ton of leadership stuff and trying to figure out how I can lead better because there's going to be situations that are going to be presented with our team in terms of being a leader to them that I maybe haven't gone through before. So I need to be able to lean on other people's um, experiences to learn or know what to do or to think about it differently. Um, you know, leaders oftentimes our, our job is to be able to answer the problems that are not problems today, they're problems tomorrow. So we have to try to stay out ahead of it constantly. So we're just trying to do that over and over again. Um, I think it takes time. I think it's one of the best things I've, I've honestly, it's one of the most rewarding, one of the best things I've ever done. I, I love every year coming back and revamping it, and trying to see how we can do it better because I feel like this just gives us such a blueprint, you know, and when we get this workbook going together, I'm like so excited because we'll have it all and we'll be able to really pull at certain parts of the year. We're going to pull right to this page here and go and attack it and, I just think, I just think when, when you think about your leadership as detailed as you think about your offensive game plan, your defensive game plan, you're giving yourself a huge advantage that most people aren't doing. And so when situations are presenting themselves, coaches are losing games in the, in the most crucial times of the year because they haven't prepared their team for a tough situation because they didn't want to address it, but they didn't know enough to address it at the time. We're trying to be really good when these situations present themselves at being able to say, well, well we knew this was going to happen. 
And when we learned about this in five dysfunctions of a team, or we learned about this in two days with Maury, you know, and being able to reference that in a nice, calm way, it just builds such a great camaraderie within our team. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to hear that. And uh, think, uh, maybe put your uh, thinking hat on in terms of a high school coach and just think about them ad- adapting this right now. Do you have any thoughts on maybe some things that might have to be changed or might have to be emphasized more? Some different things for a high school coach that's adapting your idea. I think it's even better for a high school coach. Um, you know, I played on a state championship high school team. And I think the key to that, we had a great team, a great, great high school coach, but our, our JV coach was a history teacher, AP history teacher. And he really did a lot of this with us. I don't know if he had it exactly organized like this, but every day we came to practice, he always had something more to give us. And, you know, from that, from that team, he probably had, he had, I played college basketball and then he had probably four or five college football players. Um, and I think that's pretty significant. And I think, you know, the one thing you look at that we all had was we all played on that team together with a great leader when we were at an age where we were hungry to learn it. And, and so I, I think it's, for a high school coach, I think it's everything. I think it's so valuable. And, you know, and I don't think you have to get as in-depth in, in a high school setting, but I think you can give them some really strong notions and, and go and attack it. I think if you're a high school coach, you have to do this because um, they're just more in tune to learn. Like they want to make that JV basketball team, that, that, that varsity basketball team so much, so badly, they're going to listen to anything you say. And, and they're really trying to, trying to figure that part out. And, and so I would adapt it slightly. I don't think you got to go as in depth. I think you'd have to look at the reading material and adjust the reading material. But I think you can bet that if you, if you have the reading material, you have the videos, you, you do a small classroom setting with the guys once a week, once every two weeks, they're going to be really locked into that. And they're going to really enjoy that. And I think it's going to really increase their learning. And I think it'll increase their ability in that sport and other sports because they're getting a foundation at the most critical time for learning. You know, we're, we're at, the, at the Boston Celtics thing learning about uh, how people learn. That's one of the most critical times for them. So they're going to be able to take that, remember it, and then go out and, and put it to action. Coach, this has been tremendous. Just, just great knowledge, great understanding of, of this process that you go through in terms of enhancing your players through this leadership process. And uh, I just can't thank you enough for spending some time and sharing this with us. Yeah, you know, I appreciate everything you do. Um, you know, I really enjoy listening to your podcast. You have great guests on there. Very detailed. You do an unbelievable job of asking like great questions. And, you know, it's a pleasure to get on here with you, man. And I hope we get a chance to do it down the road. And, but I'm just really appreciative of you and sharing the knowledge of the game, man. It's, it's, it's been really great, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you, Coach. And I'm, I'm happy we've added you to the legacy of the podcast now. Oh, it's, it's good to be a part of it. And, you know, I think that the goal of legacy is always something better than how you found it. And hopefully I was able to do that today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things basketball immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.